way. It's awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Phil. It's great to be here today sharing from God's Word. We're going to be starting a brand new series uh, today, for we, which we're going to be tracking over the next three weeks, coming out of, wait for it, the book of the Psalms. Do we have any Psalms fans here this morning? Come on. What an outstanding book, right in the center of God's Word. And uh, we're going to be tracking that over the next few weeks, hearing from some different people on our, on our pastoral staff team, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. But when I, when I think about Psalms and I start to get my, my head around how I st- understand it and how I approach it as a book in God's Word, one of the things that I'm reminded of is the power of story. Now, there's something about story that resonates with each and every one of us. We love to hear stories. <clears throat> but we also love to, to tell our story as well, whether it's coming home from a long day of work or you've had a, some kind of experience, you want to share that with your family. Or maybe through Facebook or something like that, you share photos and videos of the different experiences that you've had. And really, it's all about an opportunity to share your story. Now, when I think about what Psalms is, it's almost an opportunity for God's people, Israel, for for them over a period of a thousand years to share their story of connection with God, to really share their story of relationship with God from the time of Moses right through to the time of the the second temple and the return from exile in Babylon. That, That Psalms, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like their hottest 150. Anyone remember? But Triple J, Hottest 100, back when CDs were a thing. Anyone remember that? I know you guys remember that. You're sitting there like, no, what's Triple J? No, but, but Triple J's Hottest 100, they used to have this thing, and it was all the best things, uh, the best songs from that year of, of music. Now, Psalms is kind of like all the best moments of prayer, all the most memorable moments of praise and worship, all the most significant words of instruction on what it means to live a life connected to God from a thousand years of history from God. God's people. It sounds like something that's worth taking a look at, right? That for them, these were the things, these were the moments that captured what it meant to no matter what, no matter what the despair, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the heartbreak, no matter the joy, that their experience was to be lived connected with God. That's what Psalms is all about. And we're going to have a whole bunch of fun tracking that over the next few weeks. And it's, uh, it's only fitting, I guess, today that, that we spend some time on Psalms 1. Now, now most, people, uh, most people believe that, that Psalms 1 was actually chosen and selected with purpose at the time of the, the second temple to say, this is, this is how we want to introduce the, this whole book, this whole collection of all these significant moments. And really what Psalms 1 is going to do is illustrate two different paths. Two different ways, two different approaches to life. And it's going to suggest that of those two ways to live one's life, the way to go is with connection with God. And what the psalmist begins to to recognize and illustrate is that there's two paths, but there's only one journey. And Psalms 1 is going to speak into that. And what I mean by that is that there's two ways that we can live our life, but we've only got one life to live. There's two ways we can live our life. And what it boils down to at its most fundamental level is that when we think about our lives, we think about the journey of our life, a journey of faith. When we think about the two different paths that our lives might take, ultimately it boils down to this. Do I live my life connected to God? Do I walk a path that is completely connected with who God is, or do I walk a path that is separate from God? This is basically what it boils down to. 
And Psalms is introduced in this way. And the psalmist is going to suggest to us that one of the paths, in fact, is better. You know, one of the things that, that I love about today's day and age, more than just, you know, the absence of CDs. Anyone still using CDs? I know there's some of you. There's a lot of you still on CDs. Actually, I, I must confess, I was listening to a CD in the car this morning. So, look, CDs are still with us. But, but anyway, one of the things that I really love about technology today is, is the, the GPS on our smartphones. Anyone else like that? You enjoy that? Google Maps. Now, when I first got a car, I had one of those chunky map books that you'd kind of shove into your glove box or or shove under the seat, or wherever it was, you were shoving it somewhere. And, uh, and it was this big bulky thing, and you'd kind of have to plan your journey before you left. You're like, wait, what? Now what page do I go to next? And it was this really cumbersome, annoying process. Now, anyone still using the old school map book? There are some of you. There are some of you. And you guys have worked out a system. If you're still on that map book, I'm sure you're not shoving it anywhere. It's got a loving place within your automobile, and that system's working for you. But, but here's something that I love about Google Maps. So when I say, here's where I want to go, Google Maps will generate a path for me. And I'll see this really clear path on my map on my phone. But more than that, it'll give me an alternate route. You guys know the alternate route? So you get the primary route, which is nice, the, the nice big blue line. And you're like, oh, that looks good. But there's also another route here. It's given me another path, another option with a little caption. And for the other path, the alternate path, it says, sure, you can go this way, but it's going to be nine minutes slower. And I look at that and I think, hmm, alternate path, maybe it would be good if I got to my appointment nine minutes late. <laughs> I like Google Maps, that's like, thank you for giving me the option to be late to whatever it is I was going to. Thank you for helping me to see that this path is just that much worse than this path. And what's so cool about it, and life so rarely gives you this, is a quantifiable figure for how much worse one choice is than the other. How good is that? Life never does that for you. If you do this, it will be exactly this much worse. And that's what Google Maps does for us. So for those of you still using your map books, well, maybe you can rely on your spouse or someone else in your family to tell you how much worse your route is. And, and Google Maps does this for you, and it says, this is how much worse it is. Now, what the psalmist is going to attempt to do in Psalms 1, not with quantifiable figures, but with pictures, with metaphor, with parallels. So when you choose to live your life connected to God, you experience a kind of life that goes so above and beyond the alternative. You live a life of fullness, of wholeness, of fulfillment, of completion. This is how Psalms 1 begins. In verse 1. Anyone, anyone know before it goes up? Oh, it's up anyway, never mind. I'll ask the question, how does Psalms 1 begin? What are the first four words? Anyone got it? If you're struggling, it's, oh, he's taken it away. But it's blessed is the one. Blessed is the one. Now, I'm going to take the scripture away for a moment because we need to sit on this one statement for just a moment. Blessed is the one. And you know there's a who or a that or a which coming. But before we get into this, we need to ask ourselves the question, what does it truly mean to be blessed? 
Now, as Christians, we tend to use that word and variations of that word quite regularly. We say, God bless you. But that's when we sneeze. That's not necessarily a, you know, a faith-driven life thing. But, but we pray things like, you just, we just pray that God would bless you, Dean. We pray that, that God's blessings would be upon you, Brian. We pray, pray these kind of prayers. And if you're kind of new to it and you, you think, what does that mean? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to have a life that's blessed? And when we think about this text and and we rely on the knowledge of others that have have helped interpret from the Hebrew text, really the, the sense that comes out of this is really happy is the one. Whole is the one. Complete is the one. Fulfilled is the one. Blessed is the one. Happy is the one. You know, when I think about it like that, it's, it's really the basic thing that each and every individual on our planet is hoping for, right? To be happy, to be whole, to have a sense of fulfillment in what their life is. Now, the interesting thing is each one of us, each, even each one of us in this room, We do something both subconsciously and consciously. We form our own equation as to what will land us at that place of happiness, of a blessed life. We form our own equation where we add different variables to it to say, if I have all of these things in that equation of my life, I'll find myself in this position of wholeness. I'll be happy. That's what the psalmist would call, I'll have a blessed life. Now, there's one consistent variable in all of our equations. Can anyone guess what it is? It's self. That's the consistent variable in all of our equations of what it means to arrive in this position of happiness. It's me plus this plus that times by this to the power of that. Maybe your equation isn't that complex, but, you know, math gives us a lot of illustrations when we start talking about equations. And if I have all of these things, then I'll find myself in this position of wholeness. But what the psalmist is going to begin to lead into is that you plus anything else minus Jesus will never be wholeness. You plus anything else times anything else But if there's a minus Jesus in that equation, there'll never be wholeness. There'll never be completion. There'll be a part of you that always feels just a little bit off because you were created to live the journey of your life connected with your Savior. So really, what we're getting at here is to say that no matter what else is in your life, if there's you, that consistent variable for each of us, self, And this sounds so simple. Plus Jesus, there's wholeness. There's a blessed happiness, a completion that goes deeper than any other variable in your life. This is the path that the psalmist is talking about. Let's go a little bit further. Blessed is the one, and I love this little phrase here, who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Now, there's some descriptive words there when we think of of the wicked, of sinners, of mockers. And, And this morning, it might be helpful to just put all of them in the same category 
of separated from God. Separated from God. That walk in step with the things that are separated from God. That walk in step in a place separated from God. That sit in a place separated from God. And then here's the contrast, and we'll see this again and again throughout the Psalms. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, in the way of God, and who meditates on his law day and night, reflects on his way day and night. So let's go back to this idea of walking in step. Are there any dancers here this morning? Now, I should forward that by saying, I'm not going to make you dance. Any dancers here this morning? A few more hands went up. I appreciate that. Dean, I would have thought you would put yourself in that category. I'm a dancer. Yeah, it was a... <laughs> now, now, when you're dancing, if you get out of step with the music, how do you look? Awesome. That's what I wanted. That's my experience. Here's my kind of thing. No matter how bad a dancer you are, if you've got the right facial expressions, you're okay. So if you're all crazy out of whack, but you're like, you got that face going, you're like, that guy knows how to dance. He's out of step, he's out of control, but he's got the face. <laughs> That's, uh, if, you're, if you're ever at a wedding with me and Dean, you're going to see a lot of that face and not much else. <laughs> when you're out of step with the music, when you're out of step with the person that you're dancing with, it just doesn't work, does it? Any, any ladies had an experience with a partner who's out of step? Yeah, now the hands go up quickly. <laughs> Phil, you should see my husband. He's out of control. He's stepping on my feet, pushing me into pianos on the side of the stage. Uh, I have never done that. That sounded like one of those examples. Like, yeah, that's something Phil's done. He's pushed out into a piano. Anyway, when you walk out of step with something, it doesn't work. So let's go back to that picture of the two paths. We have a path connected with God, and we have a path separated from God. And the psalmist is saying that the blessed person, the whole person, understands what it means to live a life connected with God, is walking in a certain way. Now, always in scripture, well not always, but a lot of the time in scripture, this idea of walking is symbolic of the way we live our life. And the psalmist is saying, if you want to live a blessed life, learn not to walk in step with the things that are separated from God, but learn to walk in step with your Savior, to walk in step with the things of Jesus. Because here's the reality, you can only walk with one rhythm. There's only one journey that you can live out in your life. So do you walk out of step with Jesus? Or do you walk out of step with the things separate from who God is? This is a decision we have to make. This is what, what this block of Scripture is getting at. Walk in step with the things of God. Blessed is the one that steps in time with their Saviour. I couldn't help myself. I just wanted to use this phrase that dances in the rhythm of heaven. It's not something that naturally resonated with me. That came to my mind. I was like, I don't know why I don't like that. But anyway, that's what I'm talking about here. It's to be in step with the things of God. You know, the next image that I want to take out of this is to delight in the Lord. Now, delight isn't an emotion that I'd say I feel all that regularly. Anyone experience delight often? Or, or you're someone, I love it. There's people experience delight. You're, I mean, you're probably a delightful person. I can't quite make it. Oh, it's Eloise, you are delightful. And, uh, <laughs> but, but to experience delight 
is something that we don't often get to do. You know, probably the only time I, I really think about delight is when it comes after the word Turkish. Anyone else there? You're, like, you're going through the box of favourites for your favourite. Anyone else like Turkish delights? Oh, there's a lot in this crowd. Isn't it funny when you're at like a party or at like a, a lounge room somewhere and, and you're looking for the Turkish delight and then you notice someone else is also looking for the Turkish delight and all of a sudden the tone of the whole social engagement changes. And you're like, you both know in that moment, okay, it's on. It's on. I'm getting that Turkish delight. Well, actually, I, I, fortunately, I thought most people didn't like Turkish delights. I had a massive advantage while, uh, you know, going through the favourites. Maybe that's just in the circles I keep. Uh, but, but anyway, one of the, the times in my life that, that I experienced someone else experiencing this genuine delight is my son, Caleb. He's one and a half. And, and he kind of makes this noise when something delights him. And, and I'm not sure if I can pull it off, but it's kind of like a ooh. Ooh, kind of noise, but a little bit more high-pitched and heaps more overjoyed. And the thing that delights him more than anything else is the garbage truck on a Friday morning. <laughs> Anyone else have a little kid and for some reason they just love the garbage truck? Now, I don't know how it started, but we'll be having breakfast early on a Friday morning and he'll hear that sound, like the, the and the like clunking of the bins. He'll be like, ooh. And I tell you what, if you don't go out to the garbage truck in that moment, there's trouble. There's trouble. It's like, no matter how much I'm loving these wheat bix right now, I need to get out there and see that garbage truck. And he kind of goes past and he's making that noise the entire time and then he waves goodbye and he's like, all right, let's go have wheat bix And it's back on. Now, that, that experience for him, it's like, no matter what else is going on, when he becomes aware of the garbage truck, he's like, boom, this is all I want right now in my life. I don't care what's happening. I'm going to spit something out of my mouth so I can get out to that garbage truck as soon as humanly possible. Still don't know what it is. Is it a truck? Is it the garbage? Do I just need to, you know, put some garbage on his high chair and he's going to be fine? Probably not. And, and, but here's, here's my thought on that, what it means to delight in the Lord, to delight in the way of the Lord, to delight in who Jesus is, in his way, in what he has done, in what he invites me to be a part of. To find true delight in that. I think is to find a purpose that goes above and beyond everything else. So that if you don't have Christ, something is profoundly missing. If you don't have Christ, it's something that you have to fight for because it's the thing that I delight in. To say, Jesus, no matter what else is going on around me, I'll fight for your presence in my life. That's what it means to delight in the way of God. So no matter what else is going on, I'm going to do whatever I can to be in your presence, to be in your presence, to find joy in your presence. We're going to go back to the scripture in verse 3. And now the, the psalmist is going to do something that we see a lot of throughout the psalms in, in Hebrew poetry, which is what all the psalms is written in. So, sometimes you get into it and you think, geez, this does not sound like good poetry. 
Because we're used to, to rhyme and a regular metre in poetry and we kind of get in that groove and like, this is a good poem. Actually, Dean, you would have loved this. I've got to share the story. I was at, I was at a youth camp yesterday hanging out with my family and all the young guys there. It was awesome. And one of the things that's, that's kind of come up in the camp culture this year is, is these minute rap battles. And, uh, and it's just a great thing. We're talking about rhyme, it's all, it's all about the power of rhyme and building things into that. And I've got to say, Matt Regendrum, one of our guys on the praise and worship team here, awesome musician, serves with a great heart. He is a phenomenal rapper. And, and one of the things I did at dinner last night, you kind of have all these different tables and the, the kids basically compete to see who gets to go first. And these two kids from two different, two different tables had this rap battle. And the first kid went, and then you could see Matt kind of thinking it through, and I've got to make sure I get this right. And he's like, uh, what did he say? Oh, I knew this was going to leave me. I should have written it down. It popped to me. But he's like, uh, and I'm going to do this to Dean because I think this will sting and he'll love it. But he's like, he, and it was kind of savage at first. He's like, you suck at basketball. You got no game. You think you're Steph Curry? Well, I'm LeBron James. <laughs> and it was like this microphone. The whole place went great. Now, if, if you haven't been, if you... <laughs> If you haven't been following Pastor Dean's messages over the last four weeks, LeBron James is the, the champion of the NBA. Cleveland Cavaliers beat Steph Curry. And, and, it was just, and those kind of rhymes are like, yeah, that's the kind of rhyme I like. There's a rhythm to it. There's a meter to it. But Hebrew poetry is different. It's rich in metaphor, in simile, in, in, in parallels and different pictures. And we're going to see that over the next few weeks. And, and this is the, the key metaphor that the psalmist is about to go on. This is that nine minutes difference. You know, Google Maps between the two parts. He's not going to give us a figure. He's going to give us two, two pictures. And here's what it says in verse 3. That person who delights in the way of the Lord, who doesn't walk in step with the things separated from God, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. Not so those separated from who God is. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Now, now, just quickly, when you hear that word chaff, if you've been around church a little bit or read your Bible, you kind of know that's an inherently negative word, but you don't really know why. It's like, yeah, I don't want to be like chaff. I don't know why, but that always seems to be bad. And, and the picture here, the contrasting pictures, is a tree planted, strong, healthy, near a stream. And, and then chaff was like the, the leftover straw, the outer casing of the grain that would be thrown into the air, and the breeze would blow it away. It was weightless, useless, discarded. And here's the two pictures of these different approaches to life. A life lived connected with God is like a strong tree bearing its fruit. A life separated from God is like the weightless chaff blown by the wind. So let's talk about the tree and the chaff a little bit. Now, there's a key, key word in this whole description about the tree and about the chaff and, and the picture of what it means to live your life connected with God or separated. And it's actually the stream, the stream, that that tree is planted near the stream. And because it's near the stream, it's strong, it's healthy, it, its roots run deep, it bears fruit in season, its leaf doesn't wither, it stays strong and healthy because it's planted next to the stream. 
This is the key distinction, I believe. And when I think about the New Testament and the Gospels, and I think about how Jesus describes himself as the living water. The living water. That when he's with the Samaritan woman at the well, and he asks for a drink, and then he says to her, I'm the living water. If you'd asked for what I have as the Messiah, you'd never be thirsty again but there'd be a strength in you, roots that run deep, sustaining you in every situation of life. He says, I'm the living water. Later in John 7, he says, he says whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, 738, rivers of living water will flow from within them. God's presence And here's what he's talking about, that that the condition of wholeness, of that blessed life, comes from being planted in who God is. Planted in his presence, connected to who he is. And this is what the psalmist is, is, is just encouraging, is to say, you know what, when you live your life connected to God, you have a source of his presence in your life. And that through his presence, there will be a fruit in your life, a fullness in your life. That no matter what you experience, if you're planted in who Christ is, You'll be sustained, you'll be whole, you'll be full. Verse 5 and 6 finishes in this way. Therefore the wicked, those separated from God, will not stand in the judgment. And really quickly that's saying they don't have Christ. And because they don't have Christ, uh, our sins haven't been taken by his love, by his gospel, by his word. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And I love this in verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Eugene Peterson in the message in verse 6 writes it this way. He says that God charts the course for the righteous. And I love that picture going back to these two ways, these two paths, that when we decide to live out the journey of our life connected to who Jesus is, God actually watches over that path. God actually charts the course for that path. That when we stayed connected to God, passionately pursuing his presence, he charts the course. We'll see renewal, that he is the one that leads that direction, that makes that path straight. But then by contrast, if I'm not connected to who Jesus is, the path not connected to who God is kind of goes nowhere because at my core I'm created to know God, to be known by God, and I'll only find fullness in my life when I'm connected to who Jesus is. I'm going to invite the the team to to come up and join us. So here's here's where I want to leave us this morning. As we begin this series, as we continue to to press into where God's leading us as a church, is to ask yourself this question right now. If you think, okay, I've got one life to live. I've got a journey of life to live. There's going to be lots of different experiences. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's going to be valleys, there's going to be mountaintops. I've got one journey to walk. Today, which path 
are you walking out that journey on? Are you walking out a journey connected to who God is? Planted near the stream, sustained by the presence of God, each new day flourishing with the fruit of God, with the things of God. Your leaf not withering, but in a place of strength and health that comes only from connection to who Jesus is. Is that your life today? Or are you on the alternate path? Where you're walking out of step with the things of God. And whatever your journey of faith, whatever your experience of faith, whatever your, your concept of God is right now, you could be a Christ-believing Christian and be out of step with what God's calling you to. Is today the day to say, I need to walk in a different way. I need to stop walking in step with things that are separate from God. I need a wisdom to see them for what they are. And I need to shuffle over here a little bit. I need to start walking in step with who Jesus is. I just invite just for a moment for everyone to close your eyes. One, to, to take a moment just to seek God. But, but two, just to give a bit of privacy. And if you're here today and you're like, Phil, I, I hear that psalm. I hear what God's reminding me of through his holy word. And I need to get back on that path. I need to reconnect my life to Jesus. I need to start walking in step with the things of God. I need to start walking out of step with some things that separate me from him. If that's you this morning, you'd love me to, to just pray. To pray over you. Why don't you right now just lift up a hand and say, God, this is me. That's awesome. Say, God, this is me. Time to walk in step with who you are. It's awesome. And if that's you and you put your hand up, why don't you just even hold a hand or your hands out on your knees and say, God, would you do something in my heart right now? Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the way, the truth, the life, that in you there is living water. 